You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. Week six in college football is in the books, and 30 point underdog Iowa State. The story of the weekend stunning Oklahoma 38 31. Looks like Oklahoma was going to be smooth sailing into the college football playoff, beating Ohio State early in the year. Oklahoma State already suffering a loss in Big 12 play, but this is an absolute stunner from the Cyclones. It was very disappointing. I had Oklahoma in a pretty big parlay, and they were the only like eight-team parlay that, that blew it. So that this one hits close to home for a couple of reasons. It was a very weird game because the defense didn't play for Oklahoma. Didn't play like necessarily that poorly. It was just every single time they needed to make a play, they couldn't do it. And Iowa State took advantage. Kemp threw for over 300 yards. I don't even know who the last person to come into Norman and throw for 300-plus was, but it it had to be a little while ago. And if you told me Iowa State was going to beat Oklahoma at any point in the last two years, I would tell tell you you're crazy because it's just – Oklahoma's just so, so much better, and Baker Mayfield is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and you just don't expect him to lose those types of games. Yeah, and this is kind of on par with Stanford's now pretty famous 40-plus uh, points underdog upset win over USC uh, when Jim Harbaugh was just starting out there and the program was in disarray. But this is not the game, and this might be part of the problem, this is not the game or any of the games that Oklahoma had circled on its schedule. So you wonder a little bit if that might have factored into it, just a simple case of overlooking Iowa State. The Cyclones have come close the last couple of years under Matt Campbell, um, knocking off teams like Baylor back when that actually meant something. Yeah. But haven't been able to get over that hump. Now they have, and they're getting votes in the AP poll. Um, so it's just wild time. Like you said, Counts ended up with a damn good stat line. Um Three touchdowns, only six incompletions, over 300 yards in the air. Um, that was something that supposedly better quarterbacks were not even able to come close to matching against the Oklahoma defense. So this drastically shifts the conversation around the Big 12, um, both the conference title race and the playoff hopes. And those pretty much seem to be falling squarely on the shoulders of TCU for now. Mm-hmm. Lots of other teams um, in better position could muddy the waters, lose a couple of games um, here and there, and get Oklahoma, Oklahoma State back in that conversation. But right now it seems like TCU's the team. Yeah, this is TCU's conference championship to lose. I feel like Gary Patterson's had his squad there, like right on the cusp of the playoffs since it's been around with the exception of last season, and it's either them or Baylor every single year that just gets left left at the altar. Uh, Oklahoma, it's, it's panic time because there's no room for error, but their schedule is so back-heavy 
that they've got a shot. They've got at Texas, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, and they still play Texas Tech, TCU, and West Virginia. If they, I mean, obviously they have to play well, if not win all of those games, to get into the conference championship game. But you got to think a pair of wins over TCU could get them back into the conversation there. So I wouldn't necessarily count out any team from the Big 12, but it's obviously TCU's to lose. You just have to keep winning if you're Oklahoma. Right. Simple as right. that. And they haven't had the luxury of getting any really quality wins in conference play thus far. Um, there's beat Baylor, and then Iowa State was supposed to be a gimme as well. Clearly was not. So Off now they're going to have to. Yeah. Now they're going to have to go through all the quote unquote heavy hitters in the Big 12. And two of those teams were on game day this week. TCU able to eke out a seven-point win over West Virginia. Kenny Trill, Electric Factory, ran for and caught a touchdown, uh, so scored in three ways. TCU came a little bit out of nowhere this year, but by this point, they're pretty solidly in the thick of things um, for that playoff spot, and as we mentioned, kind of the, the best hope for the Big 12 right now. Absolutely, and it's just a very Gary Patterson type team where they're doing whatever they can, scrappy as hell on offense to, you know, manufacture points, and the defense is just shutting teams down. Whether it just points wise, I mean, Will Greer still threw for 366 yards, which is obviously not great if you're that TCU defense, but you held them to 24 points and got the win. I don't think you can be too mad about that. You know, you tell me Will Greer is going to throw for 350 plus. I'm expecting. West Virginia to drop at least 40. Uh, it was a very bend-don't-break mentality for that defense. They seemed to just lock up, lock down on defense whenever West Virginia got into their side of the field. And, I mean, the offense just did what they could to make plays. It was more that West – it wasn't like the Oklahoma State game where TCU kind of controlled the clock totally because West Virginia did have the ball for a significant portion of the game. And – it, they just seem so gassed. I don't know if they have no receiver depth or they only like their three guys with Jennings, White, and Sills, but those guys couldn't even get off the ball in the in that final drive. Yeah, and, and Will Greer absolutely got his, like you said, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to convert that into points, and they really weren't able to do that. Very similar in that respect to the Virginia Tech game, their only other loss on the season. Um, but your TCU, you'll absolutely take it. Um, not a game in which I felt like they were really that dominant in any aspect, but that's kind of what you were saying um, and what type of team this is, their identity. They're not going to be an Alabama or Clemson because no one else really can. They're just blowing teams out week after week. They know their identity. It's going to be still – trying to be predicated on defense. Kenny Trill running the offense. Um, they have a great rushing attack and a lot of different players who can beat you. But they're just going to try to keep things close and manageable and have the offense do just enough. And that's basically what happened here. Because I think overall West Virginia's offense performed better in yeah. just about every area except the scoreboard where it actually matters. Right. And that that's the big thing. It's not like a, the Andy Dalton teams of the past where – you knew they were going to throw for 300, 400 yards and put up 35, 40 points a night. This team is totally content 
scoring 28 points and winning in a 28-21 slugfest. And it, it seems like that's how a lot of their games are going to go. It's going to be really interesting once they do have to match up with Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph, if that changes at all. Um, I mean, you'd think the offense will be able to have success against both because lesser teams have been able to thus far. You just talked about Iowa State throwing it all over the yard against Oklahoma. Texas Tech was able to do that against Oklahoma State. Um, I'm sorry, TC already beat Oklahoma State. I don't know why I'm throwing them in there, too. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult in the Big 12. And I think part of the issue with the Big 12 getting a team in the playoff is you have to play every team every year. There's not right. going to be years where, you know, if you're a, a team like Wisconsin – who might be able to dodge both Ohio State and Michigan in the same year because they're playing a different division. Not going to have the luxury of, of doing that in the Big 12. And it remains to be seen whether this conference is going to cannibalize itself like it has in the past, but that's going to make things a lot more difficult than it otherwise would be because you've got pretty much two gimme teams at this point in Kansas and Baylor. Iowa State's going to be a much tougher route, it seems, than they would be in the past. Uh, same with Texas Tech. Mm. They're a ranked team now, so it's going to be a battle every single week, not to delve too much into coach speak, but, I mean, that's the reality. Yeah, absolutely. And defense, I mean, I think that, I mean, it's still the big, high-flying, high-scoring Big 12 that we're used to, but defenses have definitely gained an edge this year in the bigger games. They've they've come to play and they've won the games for teams. Yeah, and a lot of that is, I think, based out of just frustration with that being harped on over and over again. The media right. finally rise up and do something about it. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see if that trend continues over the course of the season within the conference. Um, another defense that performed especially well this week was NC State. Now you're, you're big on the Wolfpack last week, facing off yep. against... Louisville, great all-black uniforms by the Wolfpack. Um, they were able to, kind of like TCU, let Lamar Jackson get his for the most part, didn't really reflect on the scoreboard, sacked him four times, picked him off to steal the game, end up winning this one 39-24. So already wins over Florida State, wins over Louisville. In the preseason, we said maybe they'll be able to beat one of Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson. They've already beat two. They haven't even played Clemson yet. The season opening loss to South Carolina looks really bad now because really otherwise we, we could be talking playoffs for this team. It's brutal. It's such a shame because this D-line is so good. Chubb is unbelievable. Cannot wait to see him in the NFL probably next season. Is he a senior? He's got to be. I believe so. He's got to be. I feel like I've heard his name forever. He, he's he been great. Ryan Finley's been excellent. Um, but, yeah, Lamar Jackson and that Louisville offense really got whatever they wanted but just couldn't convert. It's a very similar situation, like you said, to the TCU games where the defense kind of stood tall when they needed to. Otherwise, they were moving – Louisville was moving the ball pretty easily. Um but that offense, man, Hines, two rushing touchdowns. Ryan Finley had two receivers over 300 yards. They've got some big, big receivers at NC State. 
And that's, I mean, all you got to do is throw the ball up to him and let him go make a play. So I love that defensive line. I think the offense is pretty, they're pretty damn good, I'd say. And, you know, Louisville's just in trouble. The defense is not great. The offensive line still has their issues. And Lamar Jackson, while making better decisions this season, is still struggling because he just doesn't have another playmaker with him. Yeah, and, and NC State's offensive strategy down the stretch just seemed to be get the ball in the hands of Hines and they'll just make people miss. And Lamar Jackson, it's kind of unfortunate for him that he set such a high bar with his play last year because anything not matching that will be scrutinized and belabored as a down year, which is where we find ourselves here today. Um, he has lost so much in terms of his supporting casts from last year, and he's even more so now doing it on his own this year. Um, and a lot of that is reflected with the offensive line and how much more frequently he has to be running for his life, especially going up against the front as talented as NC State's. But, I mean, he's obviously not happy about games like this where he's not able to really do anything feeling helpless at times, but I think that's kind of Louisville's ceiling this year. They're going to be probably in that 15 to 20 range for most of the season, um, but not really able to get over the hump against great teams like Clemson or even pretty good teams like NC State. Yeah, and he it's kind of like a Johnny Manziel situation at A&M where he just didn't have the offensive line, even though Manziel's was definitely better than Louisville, and he doesn't have a Mike Evans where he can just heave the ball downfield to to make a play. It's just Lamar Jackson trying to do it on his own. So it's tough to see that because, you know, the kid's damn good and he loves to compete, but that's just, that's just what it is for Louisville. I mean, their athletic department is just in a state of turmoil right now, and there's no way around it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Football team is the least of their worries right now. Yeah. Um, the big matchup, Saturday night, Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan taking on little brother and losing. Brian Lewerke ran for a touchdown through for another. Three interceptions for the Spartan defense. Turns out Michigan State might actually be good, which in turn means Notre Dame might actually be really good. 14-10, um, beating the Wolverines, John O'Corn. Still not seeming like the answer at quarterback. In his slight defense, this game was played in the middle of the monsoon. Yeah. Um, but even so, even without the weather, I don't think there's really been a point where anyone's been completely satisfied with the quarterback play for Michigan. We've talked about it a lot on this show. And, I mean, we'll talk about their game next week against Indiana, but definitely a worrying point for Michigan because if they don't sort that out, then they've pretty much already reached their ceiling this year. Yeah, so Michigan State's defense is actually pretty decent, despite giving up 38 points to Notre Dame. The most they've given up otherwise was 14 to Western Michigan. They've given up 10 in every single game besides that. An impressive group because they, they force turnovers. It seemed like every time Michigan finally got something going on offense, they made a play to force a turnover. Yes, like you said, there was an absolute torrential downpour throughout most of that game. Um, but, yeah, they, the defense made plays. The offense, 
leaves a lot to be desired. It's a very Iowa-type team or Wisconsin-type team where they're just going to pound the ball and try and play defense and whoever has the better punter, which Michigan State punted 11 times and still won the game, which is outrageous. Um, Big Ten football. Yeah, yeah, Big Ten football right there. But, yeah, like you said, O'Korn left a lot to be desired for Michigan fans. I I don't think Wilton Spate's great. I also – don't think John O'Corn is the answer, despite the fact that his two career starts have been in a blizzard and a monsoon. So hopefully uh, this weekend in Bloomington he gets some decent weather so he gets a fair shake of it, but I still don't think he's the answer. It's a, it's a running attack that really couldn't get going against Michigan State because they were so one-dimensional, and when it came down to it, they just couldn't make plays. And you have to at least have some threat of a passing game, and they yeah. really don't right now. I uh, really liked your comparison to Michigan State to Iowa. They kind of felt when they played a couple weeks ago that it was just like looking in the mirror. Um, yep. It's it's going to be a challenge for a lot of teams to break the 20-point barrier. Um, I'm sure once they start playing the Ohio States and Penn States of the world, that will happen. But, I mean, this is one of those teams where as we're starting to see more results um, and not just going strictly off the transit property because we only have two or three games to pull from that hey, this might actually be a pretty good team. Yeah, I think Michigan State unders might be the new South Florida slash Navy overs this year. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if they start setting them at like 30. <laughs> yeah, they're they, just daring you. They're in trouble. They're just daring you. So there are exactly zero matchups the coming week between ranked teams, which is nuts. Um, a lot of those teams would have been ranked, um, lost last week a la West Virginia, so they fell out of the rankings. Uh, we are going to give a quick run-through of those. Actually, every team in these games has been ranked at least at one point this season, with the obvious exception of Indiana. But we're going <laughs> to talk about the Hoochers briefly anyway. Uh, starting off, you got Auburn, who I think is, uh, after yes. Oklahoma's loss, is a top three team in the country. Going to LSU, big bounce back win over Florida. Who are you liking here? All Auburn. I think they might score 40-plus again this week. They've scored 40-plus in the last three games. The offense looks awesome for the first time ever, or first time since Cam Newton was in charge. And vaguely Nick Marshall, when he had – a couple of decent games. Uh, this team looks good, but 17-16 rock, rock fight with uh, Florida last week left LSU with a win. Horribly unimpressive. Florida didn't have a quarterback. Uh, big road win for Coach O. Shows that he's still got some life left and that, you know, his team showed some grit. That's what the difference was for him. Direct quote. But this this might be a 30-point loss for LSU. I love Auburn big in this one. He needed that win last week after Troy to, like, take a slight amount of the heat off them. Like, people are still going to be pissed regardless because you lost to fucking Troy at homecoming. Um, And that's not going to go away. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, there's there's a lot of hate between those two teams. um, Some of the stuff that's happened the last couple of years, so that's – a deeply satisfying win for them and their fan base, if not aesthetically pleasing. Um, but I'm with you, Auburn, all the way here. Um, 
Tigers are a playoff team for me right now if the season ended today. And, yeah, I can't say enough about Jared Siddham actually having a quarterback. Pretty yeah. novel concept. And the fact that they've got two ridiculously good running backs who carry the ball probably 15 times a game with on Johnson and my boy Cameron Petway, who both have the ability to break out for 200 yards in any night. So having an offense is crazy, especially when you have a really good defense. So I'm glad uh, <laughs> glad the guys down there figured it out. Yeah. Uh, we've got Utah at USC. Um, both quarterbacks have been struggling a bit this year. Troy Williams for Utah, Sam Darnold for USC. More turnovers than he would like. Who do you like here? If Utah would have shown me something this week, I would have gone with them, but they just look so uninspired on offense, and you got to think at home, after I think after a bye week for USC, that Darnold's got to come out and play better. Ronald Jones is going to have a good night on the ground as uh, Utah just got thrashed by Bryce Love for 170 yards, so you got to think that Ronald Jones can at least eclipse 100 so I'm going to go with USC. Home field helps, and the fact that the quarterback situation at Utah is just in shambles uh, doesn't doesn't give me any, you know, positivity or any hope in the Utes. Yeah, I'm going to go with USC as well. I think as kind of bizarre as it might be to say about a team where Sam Darnold is your quarterback, we almost really want to ride Ronald Jones here just to take a slight amount of the pressure off Darnold um, to be yeah. – kind of the entire offense, and I mean, like you said, you just hammer that game film um, from Saturday night's Stanford-Utah game and just try to do the same things offensively. And, I mean, Troy Williams for Utah has kind of been up and down his whole career. Had a big win over UC, uh, USC last year um, yeah. at home which was just a, yeah, it's a dynamite game and a blackout for the Utes. But I, mean, I think USC is going to definitely get some revenge this year. Yeah, and I misspoke. USC played Oregon State, which is essentially a bye week, but that, that they is. still played last week. Oregon State's just perpetually horrible, it seems like. Since Jacquez Rogers was there, they yeah. were terrible. Yeah. Uh, we've got homecoming in Bloomington. I will be on site for... Michigan at Indiana. Michigan obviously just losing to Michigan State. Indiana, Peyton Ramsey's first career start was a shutout over two-time defending Big South champion Charleston Southern. Um, Tazier Max coming out party last week as well. Seven catches, 111 yards, two touchdowns for the redshirt freshman. Um, yeah, who's who's Michigan's quarterback here and, and who are you liking in this game? I think they said today that Spate has a couple fractured vertebrae, so it's got to be O'Corn. Well, that would make it difficult, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can play if he wants, but it might not be the best move. Obviously, I I still have to go Michigan. Had Indiana dropped, you know, 40 or 50 on Charleston Southern, I would have felt a little more confident in the Hoosiers. But I'm just not there yet. I still think Michigan has an elite-level defense and that they're – they'll be able to squeak one out here in a very ugly game. But I, I still think that uh, the Wolverines will win this one. 
I got to go Indiana. I think this is the one uh, you have where to. they're actually going to get the upset over a good football team. Michigan State last year, that was a top 20 win. Clearly doesn't count because that did not age super well. Um, I'm still conflicted with Peyton Ramsey because um, I still feel like he's just a better version of Xander Diamond. Biggest difference between him and Lego is Lego gives you the threat of the vertical passing game where Ramsey can actually run. He's IU's leading rusher, just edging out freshman Morgan Ellison. So I think this is going to end up being like a 17-14 type yeah. of game. Um, but, I mean, Indiana's defense has been playing really well. They actually played really well against Penn State. Scoreboard doesn't show it, obviously, because of all the, the turnovers and gifts that Indiana kept giving Penn State with short fields. Um, but actually played really well in that game. And just based on that, uh, Bill Connolly over at SB Nation's projecting should have been a three-point game, which is bananas because they lost by 31. Um, but, yeah, I'm saying 17-14 IU. Jim Harbaugh not able to get revenge for his brother-in-law, Tom Crean. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, another one of those classic Big Ten games where the punters are going to matter and defense and, you know, everything, everything we love here in the Midwest. But this, if Indiana's ever had a shot to get their big win, this is it. Yeah, and Indiana's got an Aussie punter now, so football yes. school, taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury coaching for his job and so far surviving as he's got them back into the AP Top 25. Going to West Virginia, fresh off that narrow loss to TCU. It's a bounce-back game for Will Greer and the Mountaineers. Before we get into that, this reminded me of Kevin Sumlin, who has his team receiving votes because they lost by eight to Alabama. That's, yeah. What is wrong with the AP poll? I saw a lot of uh, tweets on Saturday, like, congratulations to A&M for beating Alabama in 1927. Jesus. It's like, that's that's a huge accomplishment just based on how, you know, the, the tide have just been rolling over people, particularly the two weeks preceding. But, yeah, yeah I don't know how you take that and then, like, yeah, let's, let's give them some votes. Uh, you can be like, hey, that was close, but not, hey, let's rank this team. Statement losses should not come up on the AP poll. <laughs> yeah. That should yeah. not happen. This Kevin Sum, I mean, if he has his starting quarterback, if it's not Keller Mont in the backfield, he might have had a shot to win that game. Right. They played pretty well. Bama did not look great. Right, which is incredible like to think about because it's – Kevin Sumlin A&M team in October, but this is usually right around where the season starts to come off the rails. That happened in the season opener this year, um, so way ahead of schedule, but I don't know. This, this is, like, cause I don't want to call it a good loss. This is, cause there, was, is good there, loss. Was, there was there was no reality in which they beat Alabama, but no. a, a one-possession loss is pretty much best-case scenario. So you'll, you'll absolutely take that, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have a ton of confidence in A&M going forward. Not at all. Not at all. But they may have saved his job for a little while longer. I don't know. If he beats Florida this week, he's got a shot. Yeah. But we'll get 
We'll get back to Texas Tech where Cliff Kingsbury, it just reminded me of him because Kingsbury <laughs> and, and uh, someone have been on the hot seat in Texas yeah. for what seems like three years now. Uh, Cliff's got a decently good defense and another high-powered offense where they just kind of stick a quarterback in there and he'll throw for 500 yards a night. That being said, I still like West Virginia. I'm, I don't know why. I've been picking Dana Holgerson pretty much all year, and it's got to be the Will Greer factor. Uh, he he adds stability to the quarterback position for him, and like we said earlier, he'll get his pretty much every night besides maybe if they played a defense like Auburn or Alabama or Clemson, which they probably won't this year. So I have no qualms with picking uh, West Virginia at home. Yeah, I'm taking the Mountaineers too. Um, Will Greer did not play poorly last week. Definitely not the reason they lost that game. Right. Um, and – I think going from facing TCU to Texas Tech improved simply because they had nowhere else to go. Um, they're so bottom of the barrel in just about every defensive category the last couple of years. So, yeah, this is going to be a bit of a, a break for him and back to the Big 12 that he knows and loves. So I'm taking West Virginia here in a pretty high-scoring game. Yep. Last up, we're going to the American you got Navy undefeated back in the top 25 on Memphis, who had that big win over UCLA earlier in the year. Who are you liking? Got to go with Navy. Love love the midshipmen. They played horribly against Air Force. Gave up five touchdowns on the first five possessions of the second half to the Falcons and almost blew a double-digit lead in that one. But a passing, yes, passing touchdown by the midshipmen won it with about 40 seconds left. Uh, this is a team that scores. No matter what, they just score the ball. Their defense looked horrendous last week. They, they're not a great unit, but they are someone that can keep up the pace. And it's just, we hear it every year when teams play Georgia Tech or when teams play Navy or when teams play Army. The triple option is just really damn hard to defend, even though it's an archaic offense. Navy has three really good rushers. They have a good offensive line, and they will control the clock in this one. The biggest thing is keeping the ball out of Riley Ferguson's hands because he's thrown, what, 30 touchdowns, it seems like, in the last four weeks. So just keep the ball out of his hands, score, and uh, if the over-under line is set at anything less than 80, take it. I was going to say, what's your under at for this week? Because there is going to be about a million points. Um, Memphis UCLA earlier this year is already right around 90. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this one will be in the same neighborhood, if not more, really just depending on how much clock maybe keeps up with that offense. Yeah, it Um, it was 48-45 last week between two service academies. So (laughs) it's going to be a high-scoring game. This is – going to be close to the record I would feel like for just what the over-under is set at. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm, I'm liking, liking Riley Ferguson in Memphis to get the W here. Obviously, it's going to be a high-scoring game. I have the slightest bit of confidence more so in Memphis's defense than I do in Navy's. And ultimately... Defense is going to be the difference in this game, whichever team decides to play just a little. 
and I think Memphis is going to get a big stop late to preserve like a 60 to 58 win. That would be awesome. I really hope it's like that. But yeah, <laughs> this is this is absolutely a first team to stop them wins game. Any double digit lead could be the end for either team because it just doesn't. I just don't see either one of them getting multiple stops on defense. Yeah, and especially if Navy's able to get out to a big lead, I don't think there's anyone better playing from ahead just based on their offensive yeah. style. But by the same token, I don't know if there's anyone worse at playing from behind because <laughs> right. they have to eat up so much clock every possession. So really, either way, if anyone's able to jump out to a, a double-digit lead, normally if you're having uh, two high-powered offenses based off say. That's not that bad. That's just like a, a five or six point deficit in a normal game because they'll score right back and get right back into the game. But just based on the style of football that Navy plays, makes it difficult for teams to catch up and makes it difficult for them to play from behind as well. So both teams better be hoping if they're not jumping out to a huge lead that they're able to keep this close throughout. Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's the perfect way to break it down. But it's going to be fun. Just make sure uh... – it's not a triple-digit total line, and uh, take the over. <laughs> yeah, I I think we can expect to see that on uh, Chuck's betting guide next week, as long as so. it's as long as it's not above a hundred. Um, any any last words? No, just watch out for Kevin Sumlin this week at Florida. Could Don't be potential job. Yeah, could be potential for a big win or. I think the the more likely reality is that Florida's offense somehow like gashes AM's defense and it'll be hilarious and we'll be right back here next Monday just talking about Kevin Sumlin and his up and down career at AM and how it's over now. Cannot wait. I've I've had I've been working on a Kevin Kevin Sumlin era blog for like three weeks now. If he somehow wins out the rest of the year or saves his job, I'm gonna be so upset. That would be so him to start the year at the bottom and then finish going out on top versus the normal narrative of the season. All right, so I will be in Bloomington this weekend, uh, hopefully watching a a Hoosiers victory from Roy's or Nick's. Be sure to bring you some some hard-hitting analysis um, from the students' perspective. And that is it for us this week. Keep on watching college football. College basketball is right around the corner.